Okay. Okay, I've got something to share tonight, which I think is pretty cool. Um, I'm just going to, if you've got your Bibles, uh, Exodus 14, I'm going to, going to read a little bit from there. Exodus 14, chapter, uh, chapter 14, verses 21, on for a little bit. So it says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their left and a wall of water on their right. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He made the wheels of their chariots come off so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then, Moses, uh, then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and, the, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the, sea, on, the, on the shore. So what we see here, we see here is the conclusion or like the grand finale of probably one of the most amazing deliverances of all time, where God, where God reached down, picked the people of, of, of Israel up out of, out of Egypt, where they were under oppression and bondage, and, and delivered them by completely wiping out the oppressors. It's also a mighty picture of salvation, a mighty picture of what God, what the heart of God towards every person who finds himself separated from God and under, uh, and, uh, and under sort of uh, under the under the oppression of the devil, under the oppression oppression of this world. It's a picture of God's heart for those people wanting to pull them out of these situations and draw them to Himself. You know, when you think about the story, you've got on one hand, you've got Egypt. Egypt is like a picture of the world, a place that is totally opposed to God. You've then got the Israelites, the people who, who, were, who were under the oppression of the, the slave drivers, the Egyptians, in a place of, of bondage, of total despair. And God, with his grace and just his love for people, willing to step down and put them up out of these situations. There's a thing about it, you know. It's the heart of God for every person out there. And, you know, in a, and it's a bit like this. You know, all, of us, all of us should be able to relate to this in some way because in the book of Ephesians, the Bible says that as for you, as for us, at one stage or another, we were all dead in our transgressions in which we used to live when we followed the ways of this world and the spirit or, or, or the king, or the, the, <laughs> the spirit of this world and, and the kingdom, the king of the air, the spirit who was now at work in those who were disobedient. You know, and so the Bible says that each one of us, at one stage or another, were under the oppression of the kingdom of darkness, and God, in His love for us, reached out and pulled us into the kingdom of light. You know, in Colossians 1.13, it says that God has rescued us out of the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of His Son, whom He loves. 
And there's something about it. There's something about us being able to look back and seeing the situation that God has brought us out from, seeing the amazing works that God has done in our lives. There's just something about it because what it does, it gives us an ability to look with compassion on people who are in those situations that we used to be in. It gives us the ability to look with compassion on them, to look with love upon them rather than judgment. Sometimes we can come into the house of God, we can be uh, in church for a while, and we can look at people who might be struggling in the world, people who are struggling uh, in our schools, in in our neighborhoods. We can look at the problems that they're in, and it's easy to judge them. But the Bible says that that we were all in that situation at one time, and it wasn't until we made the decision to receive Jesus as our Savior that God rescued us out of that place and brought us into His kingdom. Now, tonight, I just want to pull out a couple of things just about the story with the Red Sea, and um, and just just some things that I just hope would would just encourage us, encourage us just in the role that we have, that, that, that God, you know, God gives to us at the church, and just the opportunity that, that he gives to us to be partners with him as he, as he wants to win this world for him. If we just look in Exodus chapter 3, I'm just going to read from, from verse 1, just a few verses, I'll skip a lot of words, but it just says that Moses was tending the flock of Jephro, his father-in-law. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire, from within a bush. So Moses thought, I will go over and see the strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. And then in verse 7, the Lord said to him, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good, spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So now go, I am sending you, Moses, to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of bondage. You know, and this, this the first point I want to make tonight about the plan of God is that God chooses a man. God generally looks for a man. He looks for a man that he can use, a man that will, that, will, that will stand up and say, yes, God, use me. You know, God is a God who is all-powerful, all-knowing, a God without limitation. Yet for some reason, on this earth, God chooses to limit himself to working through p- people. He chooses to limit himself. You know, there is a, there's an amazing privilege that we have as the people of God to partner with God in the things that he wants to accomplish on the earth. You know, in the book of Isaiah, in chapter 6, Isaiah, he had a revelation of heaven, and he wrote this. He said, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? It's the heart of God to use his people, to work through his people, to reach the people of this world. You know, God, he could go and he could do it himself. He could go, he can do anything. There's nothing that God cannot do. Yet it's the heart of God to use each one of us. So we're part of the family of God. We're the sons of God. And God pours a spirit upon us so we can walk and accomplish what he's called us to accomplish. You know, the thing about it is, is the thing about it is that we could, we could, as Christians, we've got the power of choice. We can draw back. And we can say, God, I'm uncomfortable with the situation. God, I'm not comfortable going out and, and speaking to my friends, to my neighbors, to the people I work with, to the people at school. I'm not comfortable about speaking to them about you. There's, there's lots of good reasons why I'm not comfortable, God. So can I please be excused from going? 
You know, and the thing is, God is, works in such a way that if we, the church, won't go out, then God's hands are tied and he can't reach the people he desperately wants to reach. You know, it's almost, it would almost be easy for us as the church to say, God, you do it. God, you do it and we'll come in behind you. But you, you go at the God and when the people come into the church, we'll, we'll gather them in and we'll bring them in. But what it is, the heart of God is to use us, but he, he can't go unless we go with him. You know, the Bible says that Jesus... Jesus, his son, you know, God loved people so much. He was so passionate about people. And when we were cut off from him through sin, that God sent his son, Jesus, uh, to the earth as a man, as a baby. He grew up as a man, and he, he carried the life of God about him. And God used Jesus to, to go out and to minister to people, to reach out to people, to build the kingdom, and to win people into the kingdom. The Bible says that Jesus then went back to heaven, and he sent the Holy Spirit to live within us. So where once God, we, we, through Jesus, worked through his son, he now works through us, and, and we are the people, we are the people that God wants to use to go out there. You know, the, with the Holy Spirit with inside of us, all, all the essence of God is within us. That means that the, that, that the hope that this world needs lives within us, that the answers that this world needs lives within us. You know, that there's, nothing, there's nothing that God hasn't equipped, equipped, has, hasn't equipped us with that, that, that um, they can't meet the needs of the people out there because all of God is within us. It's not like Jesus didn't show us the way either. You know, the, the Bible says that when Jesus came, I read through the Gospels, uh, you know, I can't think of any instance where a person came before Jesus with a genuine need that Jesus didn't meet. I can't think of anyone that Jesus turned away who came to Jesus with a genuine need, that Jesus met the needs of people. And there's a key in that. As we, as the church, respond to the call of God, to, to be the, 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 the hands of God, to be the, the, the feet of God, to go out and to reach people, to reach those in our neighborhoods and, and all around us, you know, there's just, there's a, there's, a, um, there's a thing about it that God is, is with us, and I've just forgot where I was going, so I'm going back to my notes for a second. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I hate it when that happens, <laughs> but um, it's coming back to me. It's all right, we'll just, we'll just do a pause on that one there. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. It was good, you know, it was good, but we're moving on. So it's good to flow with God. You know, the, the, the thing is, is that Jesus showed us the way. What happened was, he showed us that, he showed us that by moving in love and compassion and meeting the needs of people, serving the needs of people, that he, that people's hearts open towards him. People's hearts open towards him. You know, there's just something, uh, there's a key in that, that we as the church now, sometimes we can be, I guess, a little bit religious about these things. Sometimes we think that reaching out to the people means we need to talk about God and we need to preach the gospel and we need to do this and we need to do that. But one of the first things that Jesus always did was he met the needs of people. He, he met the people who had genuine needs in the place of their need. And so with that, what happened was there was an opening of their hearts so Jesus could speak into their lives. Jesus could speak, speak life into them. He could speak hope into them. My nana, she was... Um, she was she was seventy three, and I remember this. It's a great story. She was seventy three, and, and and what happened was she had a couple of people from the Mormon Church turn up on her doorstep. And my nana, she wasn't really um, into that sort of thing, and 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 she had no real desire to join the Mormon Church. But they came in there, and they came in their bikes with their black suits and their ties on a pretty warm summer's day, and they knocked on her door, and she got out of her. She wasn't that mobile, 
and, um, and, and, she, and she went out to meet them. And the thing about my nana, she lived in a place where, where there, was like, there were two flats, and she had the back flat, and she had this nice grass area around the back of her flat and down the side of her flat. And so um, she had a push mower, but for someone who was in her 70s, sometimes that could be a little bit difficult for her to mow the lawns. It would be a big effort for her. And these two people from the Mormon church, you know, what they saw, they came to, to evangelize to her and, and, and to, to speak to her about, about their faith and, and, and obviously hoping to win her to their faith. But they noticed that there was a need in her life, that her grass was pretty long. Well, it wasn't super long, but it was pretty long. So what they did is they offered to mow her lawns for her. And so one of them took their jackets off, rolled his sleeves up. I don't know if he took his tie off or not. But he got into her lawns and mowed her lawns. Well, the other one actually started weeding her garden for a bit. And that wasn't, you know, that wasn't like the first time they did it. They came back two, I think they might have come back three times. And they met a genuine need in her life. And the thing about it was, you know, she never joined the Mormon church. But her heart was softened towards them. Her heart opened towards them. And she actually, I remember... Oh, <laughs> It's just funny, funny thought. But um, um, she, she, um, she, I remember her bringing glasses of water out. I didn't see, I heard about it. She brought glasses of water out, and she actually started meeting their needs as well. Her heart softened to them to the extent where initially she probably just wanted to move them on from her doorstep onto the next house. But she, her heart softened to the extent where she was giving them glasses of water and sort of starting to meet their needs. But there's a key in there. You know, Jesus, he met the needs of people, and he's, he, served the, you know, he served the needs of people. We, we as the people of God, we've got great opportunities. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of problems out there, people and difficulties, financial difficulties, pressures, problems around, and we've got the ability to, to meet needs. You know, we can't meet every need in the world, but there's people that God can bring around us that are opportunities, doors of opportunities that can open up before us as we seek to meet the needs of others and we seek to, to bless others and we seek to, to let God's love show through our actions. Point one, point, yeah. point two, <laughs> you know, there was just another way, I just, 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 I just wanted to share tonight that I saw Jesus move as I read through the Gospels, is, you know, sometimes we can forget about the power of prayer and the power of spiritual authority. You know, there's, there's uh, when you look out in the world, you know, and just, you see the state that our world's in. You know, there are people under massive oppression in the world. You know, people are struggling with things like anger, struggling with things like violence and depression, you know, with fears and tormenting thoughts and, and, and addictions of all sorts of kind, addictions to, to drugs, to TV, to stuff on the internet, all sorts of crazy addictions. And, you know, and, and so, and, and, and behind all these problems, there's often spiritual forces of darkness that, that are working in people's lives to hold them down in those situations and to stop them from being able to escape those situations. You know, when we look at the story of the Israelites, they were in Egypt, and they were in a horrible situation in Egypt, in great despair, great distress, but there were the Egyptian slave masters holding them down, preventing them from being able to escape. So the Bible talks about you know, the spiritual things of darkness. It says in Ephesians, Ephesians uh, chapter 6, if I can find it, but it's okay, I'll just go with it anyway. It says that, you know, that, that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the spiritual forces of darkness in, in this world that we live in. There's spiritual forces of darkness that hold people in it. You know, the world, the world will, will look for someone who's got those problems, and they, they can provide lots of practical solutions for them. You know, they can provide counseling, they can provide all sorts of, all sorts of help um, with, with, um, with, with, with drugs and, and that sort of thing. But there's, when there's a 
spiritual problem. The problem is not just natural. When there is a spiritual problem, that the world can't do anything with that. It's only the power of God that can set people free from the spiritual situations that they face. Most people look at these situations and they think that that's a natural problem. They don't recognize the, 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 um, the working of the spiritual behind the natural problem. You know, the Bible says we, we battle against spiritual forces of darkness. You know, and we as the church have got the ability to, to stand up and the authority that God's invested in our lives and the power that He's put inside of us through His Holy Spirit to pray and to speak into people's situations and to see them set free from, from, from the things that afflict them and, and hold them down. You know, the Bible says that, that we have been seated in the heavenly realms. We've been seated in the heavenly realms, that Christ has raised us up and seated us in the heavenly realms. And to be seated in the heavenly realms talks about having spiritual authority and the, and the ability to, to pray into situations. Like the Bible says that we can, we can um, whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I had this situation at work once in, in a previous work situation. And the situation, I had people and I had people around me who, who reported to me I was their boss. And the whole thing went pear-shaped. All of a sudden, over the course, well, probably wasn't all of a sudden, but over the course of about sort of three, four, five months, they became more and more hostile to me. And there was, was the, the level of tension in the workplace increased. And no matter what I said, no matter what I did, no matter how, how, um, how pure my motives would have been, whatever I did was misinterpreted and used against me and caused, caused them to almost put a fence on a fence. So they became so hostile to me that no matter what I said, it was almost like uh, 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 it was the wrong thing to say. And so I, I reacted badly at first because I tried to deal with it in a natural way. I tried to, to as the boss, I tried to sort of draw the line. I tried to sort of uh, main, uh, maintain my authority as a boss in that place. But nothing seemed to work, and no matter what I tried, it got worse and got worse. And, and in the end, I thought, oh, my goodness, I might have to leave this job. This is just terrible. But I didn't want to leave it because I felt like I was almost running away, and I felt like I was, I was going out defeated. Then a realization came to me a few months into it that maybe I was dealing with a spiritual problem. Maybe it wasn't just a natural problem. So, so the funny thing was I began to pray into it, and at first nothing changed. It just carried on for a bit. I began to pray into it. Then one morning I was at my desk, and it was a Friday morning, and, and I just I, and there's something I'd, I'd said something, just, I'd asked someone to do something. Just a perfectly um, okay request as, as sort of the, the, the manager in that place. And there was a, a very hostile response to me which caused me to rack up a little bit. So I sat there on my desk, and I just prayed under my breath. I stood against the control and the witchcraft that were, against, that were going on in that place. And what it was, it was a spiritual thing going on. So I recognized that I was seated in the heavenly realms of Christ, that whatever I bind on earth is bound in heaven. And so I began to speak into that situation. At the same time, I put a smile on my face, and I dealt with the person there in a natural way with love and grace. But I spoke into the situation. My goodness, I can't believe what happened that morning. Uh, there was, I, I pulled the person into my office, and I was just going to say, hey, I, what I meant was this, this, and this. And I went to say it, and these different words came out of my mouth. And I started saying that, but, I, but then I talked, to them about, I talked to them about their response. And I said, I just, what, what are you responding is not good. And I said some other things. I just, I'm, I'm trying to get these words coming back into my mouth, and they, um, but they just kept flowing out. I couldn't, I don't know what happened. And then all of a sudden there were tears. And, and the person went back to their desk, and they started to cry at their desk. And I thought, oh, my goodness. And all the, the other people crowded around here, the other couple that were there. I thought, oh, I've done it now. I'm in big trouble. 
Yeah, I know, I know. So the thing just blew up. And I'll tell you what, and after that, there were meetings, there were meetings, one-on-one meetings, there were group meetings, there were meetings of me and my boss, my boss and them, and me and them, and me and them, and my boss. And there was just this stuff, to put all this stuff out on the table, and most of it was so wrong. And just, it was real hard to take. But, I, but the thing about it was, I came back to work on Monday, that Monday after that situation, and it was just totally different. Totally different. It was almost like the words that came out of my mouth just exposed the situation, and it, and it just created a, created a situation where, where, they could, where they could share this stuff. And what happened was, by me, and it just basically cleared the air and just allowed we to, us to go on in a different footing. But it was me being able to pray and speak into those situations that, that brought the shift. You know, we have got the ability as Christians, when we've got people around us, you know, we can love people, but we can hate the spiritual forces of darkness that are operating to, to, to hold them in their bad situations. We've got the ability for those people we're reaching out to, to speak into them, to, to speak into their situations, to address the spiritual forces of darkness behind them, to pray into them, and, and then also to speak God's grace, releases grace, releases love, releases, releases forgiveness into the situations. You know, and we might not see something straight away, but as we do that by faith, the Bible says that the fervent and effective prayers of a, of a righteous man uh, releases power and uh, re- releases much power into people's situations. So we've got the ability through the power of prayer to do that. Now, just as I finish tonight, I just want to just look at a couple of things that Moses said to God. You know, I was thinking, if I went into a farm and there was a bush burning and God spoke to me out of the bush, I think that would be a pretty awesome experience. And I, and I think, God, you're speaking to me. This is so awesome, God. Anything that you've got for me to do, I've now got the faith for it to go and do what you've called me to do because, God, I have encountered you. I've met with you. Moses didn't do that. You know, some of the things he said, he said, Lord, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Lord, I've never been elegant, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. You see, Moses was so caught up in his own weaknesses and his own failings and his own faults around his life and, and so caught up in the things he didn't do so well that he, he failed to see that God was working for him and God was in his life and God was helping him. The devil always wants us to get our eyes upon ourselves. But God wants us to get our eyes upon him. You know, we turn our eyes upon God, our weaknesses and, and our failings and our fears, they fail in comparison to when we, when we get our eyes fixated on God and our situations. So for each of us, you know, when we, sometimes when we reach out, we feel, we feel intimidated, we feel inadequate, we feel like we could never do that. But God is looking for a people who are willing, who are willing to respond to him. God is looking for a people who are saying, God, I make myself available. God, I don't see how I could do this, but I trust in you. God, I pray that you help me now. You know, God, all he needs is a willing vessel. He can do the rest. He can do the rest. Moses said to him, God, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't believe me? What if they don't, don't believe that you sent me? What if they don't believe the words that I say? God said, throw your staff onto the ground, and Moses threw it onto the ground, and it turned into a snake, and the Bible says Moses ran away from it, which I so that's a bit weird, but did not, and then God called him back. So did God chase after him, or, or I don't understand that, but, but, Moses, but God said to Moses, this, this, this sign here and two other signs that he gave him, sort of, of, uh, of uh, abilities where the power of God was demonstrated, God said that 
you take those signs, by showing them the signs, then the people will believe. Okay? God didn't expect Moses just, uh, the people to believe Moses just because of his fancy words. God put his power in his life and said that you will move in signs and wonders. You know, as a people, we've got to, we just need to recognize that God, and the Bible says that God, oh God, what, what God is so great as our God? God, you are the God of miracles that you display your power among the people. And God is a God whose heart is to display his power among the people. And I'll I just, I just finish with this. I'll just say, you know, there are, there are times where I pray for people and nothing happens and I hate it so much. I hate it. And there's times where I see our kids our kids have sicknesses or some stuff come, they have afflictions, and we pray for them, and there doesn't seem to be immediate relief. And, and you know what? I refuse to let that get me down, and I refuse to let my expectations drop down to my experiences. I refuse to let my, um, my theology to drop down to my experiences. Because I know that God's word is true, that it stands firm. And I know that God's spirit is upon me. God's spirit is upon each one of us here. So I will continue to go after. I will continue to be determined to, to see the power of God around my life. Because I know I will never really truly be effective for God unless his power goes with me. The same for each one of us. You know, some, the easy thing is to give up. It doesn't work. But I refuse to do that. Every time there's, there's, um, there's people coming back from overseas, you hear even, even the outreach we had at Camberley the other week. I will go to those people when I hear that people have been there, and I'll ask them, what did God do? What miracles were there? Tell me about them. And I, I, I listen to them intently, and I let faith, I let them sort of, I, I capture them so faith can rise in my heart. Every story I can hear of the power of God, I, I do it so faith can rise in my heart. We need to be the same. You know, we can't draw back. Just as we finish tonight, you know, there was, I remember we, we were at Impact Kids here, and um, we, we ran a program out there for our kids, and we reached out to our kids. And I, I still hold on to a picture that Linda Hillstone-Smith had when, um, Linda Hillstone, <laughs> um, she was a leader out there. And she shared it one time, then when she left, she shared it again. And she, she saw a vision at Impact Kids. And all the kids were, were, worship, were, were, were doing their thing, and the leaders were doing their thing there. And she saw a picture of Jesus down at the front gate by the garage door. And, Jesus, and she saw that there was concern on Jesus' face as he looked outward, not inward. There was concern on his face. And I've never forgotten that picture, Linda, and I'll, I'll, I'll hold on to it. You know, Jesus has such a passion for the people out there. He loves the 99 sheep in here. But you know, it talks about the one sheep or probably the one billion sheep out there. But you know, Jesus has got such a passion for the ones out there. The challenge tonight, will we share the heart of Jesus for the ones out there? Jesus was happy what was going on in the room in this vision, but his passion was out there. Just tonight as I finish, just close our eyes. You know, there's just, there's just a thing about coming into the presence of God and experiencing the presence of God. And there may be some people here in the room tonight who are not yet Christians, who haven't given their life to Jesus and are sort of, are out, are, are, are sort of in, caught up in that kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of darkness where there's just problems and there's pressures in that. And Jesus is the one who can set you free from those. If I can just get everyone to close their eyes just for a second. 
I'm just giving the opportunity for anyone in here tonight who's never made the decision to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior to make that decision tonight. It's a simple thing of, of, of putting up your hand and you put up your hand, oh, I'll ask you to come forward and I'll pray for you and just lead you in a prayer. And it's a very quick and simple prayer, but it actually moves you from darkness to light, brings you into the kingdom of, this, of Jesus whom God loves with his liberty, with his freedom, where Jesus can break the power of sin, break the power of, of the pressures and problems that would, would come around your life. Is there anyone here tonight? Anyone here tonight who's ready to make that decision? You'll feel a pull on your heart. See, God's passion, God's passion is for the ones out there. God's passion is for you tonight if you haven't made that decision. Tonight, if that's you, I need you to put your hand up tonight. This is a quick decision. Just so you can raise your hand and put it down again tonight. Now there's others here. I just feel the Spirit of God here. I just feel His passion. His passion. For this, his passion for the harvest. His passion for the ones out there. Tonight as I've shared, there may just be some here. You just feel God pulling on you. You just feel a, 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 fresh, a fresh sense of, God, I can just feel you on me. I haven't been effective in that. God, I need you to touch me tonight. I'm going to invite you to respond to that tonight by just coming forward as we sing this last song. I'm going to invite you to respond to that. And just to respond saying, God, I've, I've, I've stepped out on the past and it hasn't worked and I've drawn back. But God, I'm willing to step out again. God, I'm willing to position myself to be used again. Just invite you to come forward now. Just invite you to come forward now. Don't look around. Just come forward. Just make it between you and God tonight. Just come and stand at the front here just as we sing. You know, there's just there's something in it when we respond to God. Let's not let this moment go past. Now, God is passionate for it. He's passionate for this. Will we respond tonight? I need everyone to stand up now. Can, can, can everyone just stand up, please, just as we sing this last song? And as we flow into it, just invite you to come forward. Come, come forward tonight. Come forward tonight.